702 for the curious. Streaming countrywide on the 702 app. So President Cyril Ramaphosa's members of cabinet will now begin that all-important work of fulfilling the promises that may, that they made to you and I uh, before and after those elections. 28 ministers have now been sworn in at the presidential guest house. The president appointed the men and women last night, describing them as efficient and capable. But the question is, where do they begin? Especially because some of them will be running key departments that are so crucial to getting our economy off the ground. So in other words... They don't have to hit the ground running, but they have to hit the ground sprinting. So what must they prioritize? Political analyst Kolani Dube joins me in studio now. Kolani, thanks for your time. Uh, thanks a lot uh, to you, Clement, as well as to the listeners. Let's start with the Public Enterprises Ministry. There are a lot of issues there that Minister Pravin Gordon has to deal with, with immediate effect. But I suppose the good thing is um, he already knows the issues, so he doesn't need to familiarize himself, right? Uh, I think uh, what you have to understand, uh, first and foremost, prior we enter into this co- uh, discourse or conversation, mm. I, I think South Africa is stagnated in a whirlpool of confusion, especially the electorate. Why I am saying that, uh, when you look at this cabinet that has been appointed, and as well as the conversation uh, that is coming through, there is kind of subdued uh, to number of people, and moreover, number of people are still asking them, uh, asking themselves, if South Africa is move, moving forward, or as I've said, is is stagnated. I think to a certain extent. There is a stagnation. Mm -hmm. And when you look at the cabinet, it shows that the political organization in our country, they have reached the ceiling. Possible a new paradigm in terms of appointing ministers or in terms of the whole political system in relation to our electorate Mm -hmm. needs to be redefined and reimagined. Why I'm saying that? We're talking about Pravin Gordon. We're talking about all these ministers, as well as Patricia DeLille. The question that a number of people are asking themselves is a very simple one. They deposit their vote to and to the ANC, mm-hmm. but what they received from the ANC, number of people is not what they have been expecting. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where the conversation moving forward is going to start. Because whether it's Pravin or anyone else, the electorate is disempowered post them depositing their votes uh, for ANC or, or for any political organization. And so I think it's kind of a shade of boxing to try to find the merit of people that you have never uh, thought that they will be occupying these spaces in, 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 in our government mm-hmm. uh, department. And so I think the issue is that you have to ask ourselves, if we deposit our vote to the ANC in return, do we get what we expect? Yeah. And I think even if you haven't gotten what you expect as a voter and there are these critical ministries, you have to somehow have hope that the people that have been deployed into those departments are somehow going to help get them off the ground. I mean, ESCOM, for example, the Ministry of Public Enterprises, ESCOM, one of the things that the Minister Pravin Gordon has to do is actually look at possibly finding a new CEO. Paramani Khadabe is gone. There's an issue around um, the bloated stuff um, at ESCOM as well that he needs to deal with. And depending on how he deals with that, he may upset some unions. And we've seen how those discussions have unfolded in the past. But also the liquidity problems that continue 
at ESCOM. Um, is there that level of confidence that we have that, you know, in, in this um, decision by the president to sort of strike this continuity um, trick, particularly when it comes to this ministry, will somehow help fix some of these problems um, that, 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 that have really been problematic over the last couple of months? What, what is good, Pravin is not new mm. in that department. So as well as our president is not new when it comes to the energy crisis in our country. Remember that once you are setting the war room, that you are supposed to find the solution in our energy uh, crisis, mm. of which that war room, you and I, and a number of listeners, they do understand that that war room never came out with anything tangible. Mm. As well, there are rumors from the uh, energy analyst, of which are not confirmed, that to a certain extent, Praveen Godan was interfering on how to run ESCOM. And, you know, he's a man that is entangled in lots of issues in relation to his leadership quality, his leadership conduct to those who are below him, as well as the kind of a person who he is. And look, we have to understand that when it comes to the issue of energy, the energy in our country, as I've always arguing that we are entering a period of minerals and energy complex, mm -hmm. of which that's where lots of revenues so-called the ruling elites of our country have so much interest too because true energy look at glencore look at the um, uh, what you call its independent uh, power producers and so that sector is a sector that i think us as the society we need to democratize it in terms of a discourse because for us to put our hopes on the precarious uh, shoulders of um, Praveen, I think will be will be committing a serious suicide. And so I think we need to be at the forefront rather than to be docile spectators of the spectacles that is happening in that particular department. And so for us to say, to judge him if he's going to be our messiah or, or our messiah, and so I don't think that we'll be doing a proper thing. Yes, ESCOM is in crisis, so as South Africa is in crisis. And so Praveen is not going to come with solution unless as we come together and sit as South African and try to provide solution for our country in relation to the energy crisis. And unfortunately, we're not seeing that coming together that you speak of. I mean, you mentioned that issue of energy, and it's such a politicized um, element of what's happening at ESCOM because you sign agreements with IPPs like the former minister Jeff Khatebe did and it becomes this big issue and you've got unions charging at you left, right, center and even unions that are affiliated um, with COSATU which is an alliance with the ANC. How does he maneuver that, that political space of trying to say we need independent power producers but also, um, also we have to cut jobs at ESCOM because the stuff is bloated but also trying on the other side to appease the unions. That's going to be a very complicated process for him. Look, a very simple thing. What is happening there in the energy sector in our country is what we call it a Hegelian dialectics, mm -hmm. where they create a problem with a preconceived solution. 
because that's where they make money. You guys, I mean, they create, they create a catastrophe for us. And then immediately they provide solution. And so is a money-making scheme for the ruling elites in our country. For the ex- for, look, they were telling us that the nuclear is something that is beyond our uh, government budget. Mm. But I can assure you, Three years to come, we'll be talking about nuclear. So as well, the issue of coal. They were saying the coal in terms of uh, carbon emission, we need to reduce it and so forth. But I can assure you, as we speak, our national grid is depending on coal, not on the IPPs. And so those I'm saying, these are Hegelian dialectics. They create a problem for us, whereas they have a solution so that they can milk money out of the problems that they've created. Okay. Um let's let's talk about another department now, the Department of Agriculture and Land Reform. It will be headed by Minister Toko Didiza. Um we know the discussion and, and the conversations that are being had about this issue of land reform without compensation. There's the issue of funding um for this department of land reform because for the longest time there's been very limited funding, yet government has been having these big ambitious plans around its land reform policy. Um, where do you think Minister Togo Titiza needs to start in this ministry, given how politicized this issue of land reform is? Um, it's alienated some people, um, you know, some, some people from the business sector um, who initially said they had faith in this new dawn. Um, and the tumor mina dawn, and now they're saying, if this is what you'll be pushing for, then we are not committing to be working with you. So again, another problem in that ministry. You know, is that that ministry one can say well, I, I, we we need not to charge her. You guys, I mean, because he is inheriting what you call it the historical objective of the ANC. And they had an opportunity to demonstrate their commitment to uh, to their historical objective. And they failed. Of, of which is to expropriate land mm-hmm. and redistribute it evenly and justly mm-hmm. to the South African society. And they've not done that. They failed. And another thing, again, the EFF and others in parliament, you know, there's so much flip-flopping in South African land reform policy because if we can ask our government as well as the president to say tell us what is the land policy in our country because if there is a land policy we will as citizen first and foremost before we talk about land reforms or expropriation we need to interrogate the policy so that we can see the loopholes because now we talk about policy and others are talking about constitution to mm. to amend the section so and so and so forth and the expectation is still there <laughs> you get some and so i think that this kind of chameleon tactic from the ANC, they are flip-flopping because they think that once they touch the issue of land, they might have, I can say, that no one wants to, at the end of the day, to say, I brought this legacy of destroying the South African economy as if the South African economy is still strong. Mm. If you if you understand why I'm saying that, we live in a, what Tabompegi said. There is a, there is a world for the saved, and there's a world for the outcast. You, you get what I mean? But the world of the outcast is expanding 
you, you guys and then the world of the safe is shrinking and so how to save the outcast is to try to distribute the land in a justifiable way in also in a marketable way rather than just to distribute land in the far areas of the rural uh, of our country where people can't even make any commercial out of it and so i think the issue of land is not to be about politics is supposed to discuss it around commercialization of land and so i think must come with that discourse because it, we have to accept mm. the anc as well as these all uh, all other parties in parliament they are just regulating this discourse they don't want to but implement do you think it she's going to get the support though because it's all good and well um, for you to come and, and have these, incre- these incredible ideas as a minister and say, I want to do this, I want to push this policy. But if when Treasury um, dispatches and, and works on budget, they offer you such little amount of money for you to be able to um, progress with that policy of land reform, then you are doomed to fail, essentially. Look, th- th- that's, that's the thing, you know. I, I think... He- when ANC go to their policy uh, conferences where they meet in numbers and talk about radical economic transformation, mm. white monopoly capital, you know, you know very well that they spend more than five days, spend about uh, 30 million mm. trying to define what is white and what is black. And they even fail. You, you got I mean, to, to come up with kind of a reconciling uh, agreement to say, what is a white monopoly capital? What is a black monopoly capital? And so when it comes to the issue of land, I think we're South African citizens. We need to wash our hands to say we might not see the light of these land reforms. Mm-hmm. You, you got what I mean? The way we have anticipated and the way that we have hoped that the ANC is going to do it. And so I think no matter how much money uh, that can be placed in that department, I, I, I don't think that it can serve their hopes and, and, and the expectation of South Africa. And moreover, we need not to put budgets in, in when it comes to the land expropriation without compensation. I think we need to have a clear plan to say, once we expropriate, that's what we do. Because we have done it before, but it's only the elite who are benefiting. You go to DPSA, what they've been what they've done with the money that they got from the TPSA and the and what we call it the benefits that came through the land uh, will buyer will seller and so I think we've done it and we've failed <laughs> we have to accept that I think there must also kind of rethinking of saying what kind of people that you have to entrust with land in terms of commercial farming and so forth, rather than for a land that people will use it to show off for weekends and so forth. All right, you're listening to political analyst Kolani Dube. We are reflecting on the ministries, various of them, and what the kind of priorities the ministers that are leading these departments um, will have to look at because they've been sworn in today. They say they're going to hit the ground running, but they're quite big challenges that await them. And I wonder what you think are some of the key things they need to do. What are you hoping some of these ministries will change the course um, of the challenges we're facing? Give me a call on 011-883-0702. SMS is on 31702. It's 23 minutes after 8. No, live, transform. This is 702. For the curious. 
27 minutes after 8, you're listening to the Karima Brown Show. My name is Clement Panyatela in for Karima. We've been speaking about the tasks that await the kind of the ministers that have taken their oaths of office today. And I've asked you, what do you think they need to focus on? What are some of the big issues um, you think they need to attend to as they hit the ground running? Let's go to the calls now on one one on 011-883-0702. Nare in Blagori, good evening. Yes, how are you? Great, thanks. What's your comment? Uh, okay. Look, myself, I just see uh, the problems, the challenges that ANC will face. I, I don't think so they will win. First of all, first is the union. Two is the rates and taxes. And the three is the U.S. and the European uh, Union, the international uh, market. Mm. And the fourth one is the black uh, empowerment policies. So you see what happened with the unions is I think they are a big problem, especially when it comes to creating jobs. So what is happening here? The unions they win in the in in the in the uh, public sector. Yeah. So and wh- when every year they're asking for more increases, they always get win. But what happened? They win at the expense of uh, taxpayers. A lot okay. of money is spent. Uh, on the um, public sector, on the, on the private sector. So what happened? The private sector doesn't give them money. So, I mean, they shed jobs. You know, people, they lose jobs so that others, they can get more money. All right. Nare in Blogari, I think we get your point there. Thank you so much for your time. Frank and Captain Park, good evening. What's your comment? Uh, good evening, Clement. Yeah, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm well, thanks. There are two things that I want to comment on. Uh that I think uh, are, are big issues or constraints. The first one is the issue of the land distribution. Uh, the reason why in many countries where black people have received their land, uh, they remain poor, is that uh, not only were black people dispossessed of land during colonialism or apartheid, they were also dispossessed of knowledge and technologies that they had developed so when they are given back the land, they need to be re-educated. Mm. So there is so mm. much focus on uh, giving people land, but there is very little focus yeah. on passing agricultural knowledge back to the people who are dispossessed. We could talk not only of dispossession of knowledge, but even dispossession of humanity and dignity mm. and so on. Yeah. But at this point, I just want to focus on the dispossession of knowledge to generate wealth from the land. Frank. So even the analysts, I find that they miss that point and only focus on how land should be distributed. All right, Frank, thank you so much for your time calling us from Kempton Park. Polani, your reflections on the cause. Are we, are we missing the point? Look, I, I think the, tax, the task of South African citizens is huge, is, huge, is huge than what we, I think, we have anticipated that the freedom uh, will bring to us. And uh, I don't think that uh, these issues can be solved uh, by Africans, black or Indians or colored or white alone. I think they need kind of a collective wisdom and we need not to exclude anyone in terms of trying to find solution because the cleavages that we always uh, witness when it comes to the issues of land, issues of radical, I mean, radical economic transformation, uh, it seems as if we are trying to expropriate wealth 
from the others in order to exp- uh, empower the others. But see, I think we, we, we need to reach the middle ground where everyone will, be, will feel comfortable. And so I think this is the responsibility of this new dawn on how to craft a discourse that will make all the extremes to come to the center so that they can have kind of a new vision for South Africa because we can talk about expropriation of land and all these other issues. But if we as South Africans, we don't have a collective uh, vision and a mission as a country, Mm. I don't think that we will go forward. And so that's what the responsibility of the National Development Plan, but it's failing to execute such kind of bringing or being a homogeneous entity that will bring all the South Africans together. All right. Look, thank you so much for coming through. Kolani Dube is a political analyst. Thank you so much for reflecting with us on the ministries and having a discussion around what some of the priorities of these news ministers are going to be. I mean, there are